Coming to you live from KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris. Welcome to the show. Here with me in Studio A are Stanford students Laura, Boris, Lauren, Dan, and Bill. And on the other side of the table are this week's moms, Mary and Barbara. I'd like everyone at the table to go around and say hi and what year you are. Hi, uh, I'm Laura, and I'm taking a 13th quarter to finish up a fellowship. How's it going, everybody? I'm, uh, I'm Bill, <laughs> and I'm a senior. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm Boris. I am a fifth-year master's student in MSNE. Hi, I'm Dan, and I'm a senior from Massachusetts. And Lauren will be joining us shortly, and the two moms. I'm Mary Morris, and I won't tell you what year I am. And I'm Barbara. I'm absolutely not revealing that. (laughs) Well, well, today we have a full show for you. In the next hour, we'll be taking a look at why going home for the holidays can be a trip to hell. And, of course, our infamous emails from our listeners. This week, we have questions about breast implants and friends who don't always act so friendly. First, we begin with a look at cheating, the kind where men and women cheat on each other. This kind of behavior is nothing new. In fact, it's probably been going on ever since man and woman first got together. And today it's estimated that more than 50% of us will have one or more affairs during our lifetime. If cheating is almost common, does it matter anymore? Is it a so what, everyone does it? Or is it a deal breaker, the end of the line for the relationship? I'd like to start by asking one of you to give me, uh, to begin by giving me a definition of what is cheating. Laura, do you have a clear idea in your mind as well, to what it is? The, so there's, there's, I think, two types of cheating and what, varying degrees of how bad this is or whatever. But there's sexual cheating, which is where you have sex with someone else who is not your significant other, make out with them, etc. There's also emotional cheating, too, where, you know, you could be um, a friend of mine was... Uh, dating some guy, but she was confessing her love to someone else, even though they weren't physical. Wow. Any, Barbara, what's your definition of cheating? Does it, as the mother, do you see it uh, similar to Laura's or just? I think Laura's absolutely right on that you don't have to be physical to be betraying your partner. And it's probably any conduct that you would be ashamed for your significant other to know. Okay, so so if your significant other walks in the room and you find yourself hiding your computer screen or putting away a letter or pretending you're not on the phone, that's that's cheating? Well, I have a question then. Is any sort of covering up or uh, lying uh, cheating? Is it? I mean, I, I mean, obviously cheating involves like another person, but uh, does, does is there any okay lying in relationships? Well, I'm not sure we have the answer quite yet. I hope at the end of this section. I was going to say, when you're trying to surprise them, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Boris, do you have any ideas about that? Well, uh, about the cheating. What what, uh, Dan just said. Oh, I don't know. I was going to pose a a different question, uh, such as, um, is pornography cheating? What do you guys think about that, for example? I don't think pornography is cheating. It's entirely different. You're not having an emotional relationship with... Okay. But it's... That'd be a crazy <laughs> look from everybody. <laughs> All right. This, this is Laura, one of the, the students, and uh, maybe more on the liberal side of things, but I don't I don't feel like it's cheating at all. I feel like pornography <laughs> is normal. I, I don't think... Well, I don't use it, but I mean, I would feel a terrible to deny my significant other the opportunity to, but to do you look not, at do you, do you women feel, with bigger breasts than but me. Do you not feel slighted in some way, like physically, you know, that 
you know, that he's looking at these other women? Does, well, that, does that not, like, yeah, well, mess okay, with security? Maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe it's not about feeling like she's been slighted or something, but maybe the woman just can't keep up with your your, your crazy sexual appetite, let's say. Um, and so wouldn't it be better to have them looking at this pornography and not getting involved in a real relationship with another person and kind of betraying that trust than actually going out and finding someone on the side? I mean... Well, what do the mothers think? Would you have your, your <laughs> the mothers husband have their jaws look dropped. At, at pornography? Would that feel like they were cheating on you? In a way, I think so, yes. I really do. Why? The, the question is, where are you going to use your time and energy? And if the partner is using their time and energy on someone else, even if that person is fictitious, uh, <laughs> instead of on you, then I think it's cheating. They're taking away from the time they would be spending on you. In other words, there are only so many hours in a day. There's only right. so much emotional output right. that so you So much can... physical output, so much energy, so much, you <laughs> yeah. know. By the way, talking about that, I mean, you know, if you are uh, turning on to uh, pornography all the time, um, there's going to be a little disappointment in the real life. Sure, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, this is Dan, and I'm sitting on, closer to the mom side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's reflective of my general opinion on things. Uh, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, if sort of the masturbatorial practices involved <laughs> looking at pornography sort yes. of upstage what's going on in the relationship, then it is a problem. Then uh, it does get in the way of a healthy relationship. And I think pornography does do a lot to uh, affect the way we think about sex and uh, the way we think about relationships and sexual practices. And uh, in, in, I think it can be, I think it be de detrimental to a healthy sex life. I think Bill's dying here too. Yeah, like, Bill, Bill's like, I, I need I to complete my right to watch porn. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I completely disagree with, with what's going on here. I mean, porn is not some, some evil thing where you're going out there and you're taking time away from the person you love. Well, we're not saying it's evil. Okay, well, but, but that's we fine, are but saying that there's only so much time. How much time can you really? I mean, you can't spend every moment of the day with the person you love. You know, you need your own personal time. And I think porn, like, you know what? I'm surprised to say I'm on Bill's team on this one. Yes. <laughs> 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 with a young, a a young man, you know, hormones being what they are, chances are his partner is completely satisfied and he's got a lot of horsepower left over. <laughs> and I said that's exactly the place for a magazine movie so, or whatever. So you think there's an age limit to it? What about us? What about the old guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. You know, when they don't have enough energy left over. After you know, and that, Mary, is the crossover moment when I'd, I'd come back to the mother's team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I definitely think that there is a place for pornography, and that we, we shouldn't think that it's an act of cheating or that it means that you don't love the person any less like that. You know, it's just... It's, it's another outlet. Then, <laughs> so, then there's the whole issue about sexual addiction, that, in fact, watching porn or getting engaged with porn versus a relationship that has all kinds of, you know, ups and downs. It's easier to watch porn than to interact. And, and I think that's why people, men, I think, are, they're more male sex addicts, I think, than women. I don't know. But they get caught up in this, and that's all they do all day is. Well, you, think de of porn you have to or have watch a, porn. You definitely have to have a, like a, a healthy respect for it and not devote that much time to it. I mean, just like kind of with anything, even with normal sex. I mean, you can get carried away with that too and be a sex addict. Oh, <laughs> well, listen. Is I want to ask the um, panel why do you think uh, people cheat? Is this uh, you, in your age group? And they're you know from the married point of view, there are different reasons. I imagine we'll talk about that, Lauren. Yeah, my name is Lauren. I'm a student. I think some people cheat because they are just sort of inherently self-destructive. I've seen people in like perfectly happy relationships where something just goes goes wrong. I didn't intend for this to happen, and it's sort of like, why did you end up actually like taking the plunge and going there unless you sort of wanted, on some level, not to be happy? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, can I offer another take on that? I think people cheat because they don't have the balls to break up with the person that they're supposed uh, to cheat. Uh, Amen. I, I, I think that is exactly why people cheat. People cheat because they're afraid of like taking that risk, right? Cheating seems like a maybe a less risky proposition. You're like trying something new on the side, but not willing to like go that sure thing that you have. Absolutely, you're going for a test drive. Yeah, it's a test drive, and you don't have the courage to break up. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons people cheat. I think you're afraid of of commitment and getting really engaged with someone because that's a big step. Well, I think because it means that you may have to get married. You might have to have children. I I have a story uh, to back Boris up. Uh, Some friends of mine have been dating um, for like three years and they've in my opinion they've definitely sort of like run out of steam and they they aren't going anywhere they've been together since high school and uh, they have moved apart they go to different schools but they're like still dating and so they eventually decided to have an open relationship and she got involved with like all these various guys and he's kind of more awkward and shy and like hasn't been doing so well and he finally hooked up with some girl and like to everyone's relief and we're like yeah you've like finally done it and she (laughs) got so mad at him and she's like she was so angry that he had hooked up with all these girls and um um, and in my opinion, you know, it was really, it was like something that needed to happen for them to hook up with other people, but they are, because they've been together for so long, are just like afraid to separate because it's comfortable and they're sort of settled. So I agree with Boris. Snaps to you. Mm. On some level, too, I think people cheat because they think they won't get caught. What about being bored? Well, that's yeah, part of it. Probably I, part of it. One of the problems that um, has led to cheating in a bunch of my, my guy friends, at least, that they've, they've told me about, is kind of this issue of insecurity. They don't really know who they are. They're, they're not really sure of themselves. So, and this goes into the commitment. They're not really willing to sit down with this person and like open themselves all the way. So they'll kind of create this other life on the side, you know, with someone else. And that's happened in a couple of my friends. So that's, that's a really great excuse until you transfer it to the adult men who are married, who are supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. What I, I, don't, I don't think it's an excuse and I don't think it's justified. I'm just saying that it happens. So why <laughs> do you think that the reason why men cheat changes as they get older? What would you guys say about that? Well, this this fantasy about the midlife crisis is not a fantasy, really. Yeah, we've seen it too many times. There's there's a crisis that occurs when you look in the mirror and see your dad looking back, mm-hmm. and guys just freak. You it know, scares me already. Yeah, it yeah. scares you already. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Are you and suggesting so women don't freak in the same way? Uh, they don't freak. They freak, but not in the same way. Yeah, that's where you start, you start getting their plastic surgery. Or? Either outlook's different. I, I've yeah. seen men yeah. act. Yeah. So they've yeah. wrecked families. They've given yeah. up jobs. They've moved across the country to be with some woman who's sleeping already with a new guy. I mean, you know, but yeah. it's like... The young trophy wife sin- syndrome. Yeah, they're all over. So it's like a real thing. Wow. Some men can manage to handle this, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> You're oh, dream on, Bill. Dream on, Bill. That's what you want. We're talking here about... How, how men cheat, but so my question is, is it, and I don't know this, maybe there's a statistical fact, but is it that men cheat more often, or is it that men just get caught more often? Well, let's face it, men are cheating with someone. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah so there's got to be a woman at the under, other end of that transaction. Right, really? but it could be, it could be someone who is not equally cheating, somebody who's like, you know. I think oftentimes they might pick single women. I know when sure. I was a young professional straight out of college, and I was doing this kind of stupid work, but it was in a fancy law firm, um, I noticed that the senior partners would pick on the young, naive women. And um, I think we as a group kind of thought it was a lark instead of seeing it for what it really was. So some manipulation and being used and a huge power differential and all of that. I mean, they were the ones who were cheating, but we were the ones that made it possible. It was ugly. 
Well, listen, I want to tell you uh, what the scientists at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond found. Women were right about whether or not their partner's partner was faithful 80% of the time, while men were correct 94% of the time. Men were able to detect uh, infidelities compared with women. But men might be right more often because they're more paranoid than women. (laughs) The study revealed that they also tend to suspect fidelity, infidelity, when there isn't any. So, panel, which is worse, wrongly suspecting your partner of cheating or not knowing that your partner cheated? (laughs) I think wrongly suspecting, definitely. I mean, because not knowing implies a certain level of trust, and uh, you you, you hold your partner to a higher standard. But if you always think that they're cheating on you, (laughs) you then you don't have trust for them, and you don't respect their... Decency or credibility. Yeah. Well, I think in theory that's nice and 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 all, but don't you like? Don't you just feel like an idiot if one day you like woke up and 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 you know, or, or something happened and you found out your girlfriend was cheating well, on see, you? What and you like, said earlier, you had fifty. Face. You had a fifty percent odds of that happening to you sometime in your life. So just you know, just think about that from what she said at the beginning of this segment. Well, let me ask you. Let's get back to what cheating <laughs> I is. What you think? <laughs> When you guys have, uh, I don't, I'll call it a liaison. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> use that from now on. Do you, um, do you make a conscious, do you have a con- conscious conversation with your partner that this is exclusive? And if you have not had that conversation, is it fair game to be having a liaison with whoever you're out with the next night and the next night and the next night? This goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the defining the relationship talk, where at some point in the relationship you're going to have to say, is this just between us or is this kind of an open relationship? So I think you have to have that talk with these people and kind of go through it. But I, I, I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, do, you, do you have to have that conversation, though? Because I would imagine that yeah. there's a lot of relationships that are just, they, they move forward, they become emotionally attached, mm-hmm. you, you, there's a lot of trust there, and you never really have that cliched little conversation because it's just kind of corny to have yeah. in the first yeah. place. And so maybe, you know, you develop this relationship. I mean... Don't you trust each other enough to the point once that has happened not to cheat on each other, even though I, I you haven't you do, said but, as I many mean, words? Well, I can honestly say I've never had a DTR ever. Really? Yeah. Really? Never. All right, wait a minute. Do, am I defining the relationship? Defining oh, the relationship. Thank you. Very <laughs> nice. You've got to be in, in with the yeah, young crowd. Well, I, not that I can like really. I never much. had. I never had one either. I have to tell you. But okay, oh, I want to get married here, too young. I did. Okay, here's a quiz. What helps an ailing relationship? I want you to rank these. Initiating sex more often. Calling up randomly through the day to say that you love the person. Asking for help with errands or chores or homework. Or commit to weekly time to discuss the relationship. Oh, God. <laughs> How about committing to weekly time just to spend together? Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> I like number one. What was that, that number one? Uh, initiating sex more often. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like a good one to Do me. Do you really think that would help the relationship? Maybe, if it um, not, not if that was the only salute, like... You know, the avenue by which you're trying to fix things, but I think in general, like having more affection in a relationship, like sort of lubricates everything else. You know, <laughs> what if it's really bad words. sex though? Yeah, well, well, then, well then sex is the problem. <laughs> I and mean, you've got a common goal. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. Yeah, there no. are videos you can watch to help with that. Moving on. No, ladies, let's be more candid here. It's, if you're really having a troubled relationship and your loved one is, is coming after you for sex more often, no. is that really the ticket? Don't you want the phone calls? I think this is really a gender answer. Maybe it is a gendered answer. I- because seeing your the guy more engaged in your life and interested in you, I think, is more of a turn-on than some guy who isn't engaged who's after you sexually. 
It's Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I question men's motives often with when it comes to sex. Is it just? Is it just? They the don't have connection? motives. They have a motive. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true at all. No. Still Thank standing you, up for all the men. No. Oh. I think that you may be the exception, Bill. <laughs> no, but not always. Is sex just physical? I mean, it, well, I'm not saying it's always, but I'm saying that there are definitely are men out there, and there's relationships that are, there are. Def- <laughs> you know, defined by purely sexual outlets. Yeah, but I mean, you guys are making it sound like all men are out there just like trolling for booty. Not all I mean. men. Not all men. <laughs> well. <laughs> but I can tell that we're going to be talking about this conversation many, many times in the future. We are going to take a quick break, and when we uh, come back, we're going to talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about the students who have canceled a favorite senior tradition that involves drinking. In the meantime, I want to tell you to check out our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.com. I'll be, we'll be right back. I'm Susan Morris, and this is What Would Your Mother Say? Coming to you live from Studio A at KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm Susan Morris. Here at the table with me are Stanford students Laura, Bill, Lauren, and Dan, and Bill, along with moms Barbara and Mary. I want to go around the table. Did I forget? I said, well, I must have said something wrong because I'm, anyway, let's go around the table and have everybody quickly introduce themselves to the audience. This is Laura. I'm Bill. I'm Boris. I'm Lauren. I'm Dan. And Mary. And Barbara. Good. I forgot to mention during the last segment that we are giving away a book uh, if the, to the first caller to the station. The name of the book is The Truth About Cheating, Why Men Stray, and What You Can Do to Prevent It. Gary Newman wrote the book, and he will be a guest on the show in February. But if you'd like a copy of the book, please call the station. It will be going to the first caller. All right. Well, we are going to talk about... Thursday night pub. Uh, well, Thursday night, what is it? Thursday, Thursday pub, pub night. night. Pub nights. As much as they want us to call it senior night, we all still call it pub right, night. Right. Well, every college and university uh, has its senior tradition. Some are more pompous than others. And one of Stanford's most popular is senior pub night. For the past decade, every Thursday night, sen- Stanford seniors go in mass on university-provided transportation to downtown drinking spots. After an evening of partying, drinking, and carousing, students hop back on, stumble, or fall onto the buses and are delivered safely back to campus in varying degrees of inebriation. <laughs> well, last week it was announced that the senior class presidents have canceled the event for the remainder of the quarter. What happened? This is pretty serious when a decade-long tradition has just stopped. Laura, can you tell us what happened? And Well, so as you just kind of outlined there, uh, senior night can get a little debaucherous, and I guess they just got a little too out of control. Um, actually, on the reports, there was over, I think there were six people who threw up on the bus uh, on their way back from senior night, and uh, university officials the senior class, et cetera, just had too much of it. And it's, I mean, having that many hospitalizations, vomitings, et cetera, is just a sign that maybe something isn't quite right. I forgot to give out the number of the station. Um, it is 650-723-9010. If you'd like the copy of the book, The Truth About Cheating, Why Men Stray, and What You Can Do to Prevent It, I'll be giving out that number again in a couple of minutes. Lauren, what do you think? Now, you're a senior. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm this, the, well, everyone at the table is a senior, so you've all been affected. Well, Dor- Boris is a fifth year. Yeah, we, I used to be a senior. You used to be a senior. <laughs> We've all okay. been there. I just <laughs> wanted to say that actually, I mean, while they have canceled for the rest of the quarter, there was only one remaining like Thursday that we were actually all going to planning on going out. So they've only really canceled this one event and, you know, presumably pub nights will reappear next quarter, but the, the action is the same. It's it's a political move. In what way? Well, it's it's political because it's saying it's putting your foot down on something. And even though the, the implications aren't that huge, it's saying, well, we've had enough rather than just saying, well, Hey, you know, we could let one more go. What's, What's the big deal. We can take our chances. It's they're actually, you know, saying that the student senior president has been breached. Oh, okay, that's interesting. You, uh, you sometimes uh, looking at what we hear goes on on campus. It seems like anything goes. I mean, there's no breaking point. I had heard that it actually uh, wasn't this kind of political move. That it was, it was more uh, about money concerns, and that each time someone threw up on the bus, they, they had to pay five hundred dollars. And since no one ever um, announced that they threw up and then ended up paying the five hundred dollars, we, we weren't, didn't have enough money to cover the last senior night. Also, I mean, I th- I find it pretty upsetting that people who threw up on the bus haven't like come forward to, oh, yeah. to pay the financial burden associated with their you know irresponsibility. Are you kidding? Five hundred dollars to clean a pile of puke? I know it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but we signed all we all had to sign waivers, so you knew up front that they were going to charge you a ridiculous amount of money if you puke. Not only to discourage people from getting too drunk, but also because of like the biohazard associated with like cleaning up like biohazard. all of this. Yeah, puke. it's no fun. Oh, yeah. and, and and in carpeting, I mean, yuck! It could be. <laughs> there permanently. But, but $500, so, I mean, really? Uh, yeah, $500 is a if lot. If we paid our yeah. RAs $500 every time, they'd be so rich. <laughs> it's a lot of money, but we all signed waivers, which is why oh, I find did. it okay. so despicable that people like would vomit and then not like come forward. And- I don't think they have any choice, though. I mean, yeah, they're I drinking think- so much. And there uh, is there one bus that comes and gets the kids? No, it's a, it's so a, it's like it's a lot of different buses. Moms, what do you think about this event? I was just trying to picture my lady friends and I going out to town <laughs> in Palato and throwing up in our cars on the way home. And everybody's saying, isn't it a shame that they've had to cut out these ladies from doing that? And, they, you know, they, they really were having such a good time. Why didn't they just... Encourage it a little bit more and have more drunk on old ladies. <laughs> Can you see how ridiculous it is when we put old ladies into the... I think it's great. I think this should totally happen. I will drive this car for you. This is you throw up in the back of my car, Mary. Oh, I, I don't know. Barbara, what do you think? Well, you know, I'm kind of a law and order type, so I'm surprised that it was as humane as it was, that the university provided buses and all of that. It sounds to me like um, they accommodated everything they could accommodate. And all they asked was that you not puke on the way home. And that doesn't seem to be too tall an order. Yeah, but I'm wondering, why Thursday night? Doesn't anybody have classes on Friday anymore? This is kind of a high tuition organization. We have other parties to go to on Friday. Your senior year, it's kind of like a... It's not that they're just drinking on Thursday nights, trust me. But I've heard... It's only night the university shuttles them, Yeah, exactly. I've heard that on some universities, the classes stop on Wednesday. So you could have a Wednesday pub night, and you could have a Thursday pub night. So there's, like, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and people are recuperating. I mean, there is a weekly Wednesday party at a co-op. I actually (laughs) live in a house that has a party every other Wednesday. A a party Um, means get drunk and throw up? Well, the party at my house is a little bit more classy. Uh, We we serve (laughs) wine and cheese. It's a little fancy. (laughs) Granted, it's $2 bottles of wine. and I mean, we have nice cheese, but... um, (laughs) I mean, uh, to get back to pub night... Uh, I, I kind of I'm agreeing with everyone. I, it seems 
that uh, throwing up, drinking too much, like, shouldn't we have learned better from freshman year? I mean, that's only fun once, getting that drunk, Yeah, right? exactly. And, and it's not well, even it's, fun when it happens. Yeah. It's fun at the last moment when you lose it. <laughs> my, my question is, why don't they just, you know, pass out, like, plastic Baggies. bags <laughs> when people board the bus? That's I a mean, great idea. My friend was talking about, like, like promoing like plastic bags with class of 09 like <laughs> bags or something for fun night. my comment would be next year these people are all going to be theoretically graduated and have employment yeah. are yeah. they going to go out on Thursday nights and get drunk and okay, so people? I, have, I mean if they're they're when, when, when are you going to stop <laughs> well, when so is this behavior going to quit I hear that people drink more their first year out like on a job after college and they did their senior year. Or really? In college, you know, I, I think that's one of those happy rumors that's absolutely false. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I would, I would Could you have disagree. to get up the next morning? You have to be yeah. working at 8 you o'clock the next morning. You have to do it again morning. the next day. Yeah, but, but think yeah, about yeah. the happy hour specials that yeah, like, only really six, like, apply right? to working so, schedules. Well, I want to talk about the amount of drinking that goes on in college. <laughs> let's, let's move this beyond pub night and say, does everybody, almost everybody on campus drink? Uh, no, I don't think everyone does. I mean, it's accepted if you do drink, though, and that's the, the and thing getting that... drunk is accepted. Oh yeah, and, and that's what I really like about Stanford—the way that um, they have this policy where it's an open door policy, where you, they're fine with you drinking as an RA as long as you open your door and let you know that you drink, so you don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's different than uh, my friends at a certain university in Southern California, where where, uh, <laughs> where, where they, they have this like kind of outlaw, um, this ban on drinking, where if you start drinking, you have to hide and you have to lock yourself in your room. So I've had some good friends down there who, you know, have gotten into serious trouble, some serious alcohol poisoning, just because they've been locked in their rooms and been drunk. You know and what's funny about drinking on campus, though, is that it's sort of like driving. Everybody who drinks more than you is a maniac, and everybody who drinks less than <laughs> you is like a Puritan, you know? Exactly. And it's like, it's kind of strange because I think what you find, I've got friends in a bunch of different like groups, and you'll find that like each individual sort of circle of friends has its own like sort of perceived level of like what is normal campus drinking, and it can vary like extremely like i have some friends that will drink like wednesday thursday friday and saturday and then basically like sunday monday and tuesday are like really the only nights where they you know maybe like don't go out but you know i can compare that to like another group of friends where we kind of have to do the standard like friday saturday thing um, well do your parents have any comments about how much drinking they think goes on on, on campus i don't talk about alcohol with my parents at all yeah, me neither uh, so, so what do you say? I do. <laughs> do you, what, do, yeah. what do you say? You say I get drunk on Thursday nights. Oh, my, my parents are really cool with it, actually, because I mean, I'm sure they both drank quite a bit back in their day too. Um, Wait, do you talk about your drinking or about drinking on campus in general? Both. I, I, they're okay. fine with it. They, they know that you know I'm pretty responsible. I, I don't. Get You're one pick. of the more responsible. Uh, well, we don't want to make Bill sound like a goody two shoes. <laughs> I wasn't once. Let's just say that. Well, <laughs> I was in a frat for a bit. <laughs> What do you parents, your moms, think? Now, you had a, a son and you have a daughter. I mean, I, I don't know. I just heard about a lot of drinking when my daughters were in college. I like to think that they weren't part of the heavy drinking crowd, but who knows? Well, I think my son was. Was and he? it caused him trouble. And when he, after he left school, he had to really deal with it because he had been drinking so much in college that it became an issue for him. As He's now... You're, he's in his 30s now, but his early 20s were hell because he of the way he, be, he had acted in college, and it wasn't easy for him to give up, give up the uh, behaviors. Wow. Well, um, so. I have a much older stepbrother who just turned 40 this past year, and uh, I remember a couple of years ago sitting down with him and his couple of best friends and my stepdad and talking about all the crazy things that he did in college, about like emptying kegs into the RF's apartment at Toyon, like in the backyard <laughs> there. You know, I think it's it's one of those things that's always better to find out after the fact. Like, you know, he's gone off and become successful, and you know, my stepdad just laughs about it now. But if if I was to tell my stepdad about 
about anything that I, you know, do now, he'd be like, why aren't you studying? You know, it is fun when it's all just giggles and pranks. Um, does Stanford really not have an issue of some of this, these hazing sort of issues where kids oh, no. die of alcohol poisoning? They, they, they do have a, a serious uh, hard policy against hazing and all that. Except that we've, um, the reason why we have a fairly lax policy is that because no one has actually died on the Stanford campus due to an alcohol, like alcohol poisoning. So as soon as that, if that ever happens, Rules are going to change. Yeah, it's all going to change. Definitely going to change. I'm not actually so sure about that because I don't know if changing would actually prevent more deaths. Well, I, it doesn't I, matter. This is yeah. their legal obligation. Oh, okay. Yeah, strictness right. would ensue. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> we are going to take a short break. In the meantime, I want to promote our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.com, and I hope that you will all go and uh, and visit it. Um, but before we do go, I see I wanted to just do a quick um, roundup on what what conclusions we can make about a stopping pub night and about drinking in general. Can, can we, from what we've talked about? Barbara, what do you think? I mean, looking at what we've said, would you have a word of caution for the students? Or You know, the group at this table seems incredibly responsible. I, <laughs> I, I would like to see recreational drinking less in almost every context, though. You know, that, that's my motherly worldview. Yeah, I think I think using any kind of substance overly so that you're out of control of your own behavior. I don't care how old you are; it's unattractive at the very least, and can and it can be damaging beyond yeah. that. I'm sorry, I know it's not fun to say that, but I think it's true. I agree. And I've seen too many adults who were alcoholics or yeah. are alcoholics who began drinking heavily in college and, yeah. Yeah, and have paid dearly for it. i got to disagree with you. I, I mean, I, I do think we should cut back on drinking in, cer- in certain areas, like if it's really is out of control. But cutting back on recreational drinking in all cases, I, I think that's going way too far. I just think that it's sad that our as seniors, we really haven't learned to hold <laughs> yeah, our liquor. Years. What was all of this... Oh, irresponsible recreational drinking on the weeknights for if only to know how to not puke when you finally get to public. <laughs> I, know, I, I just don't get it. Well, contrary, grow up. Instead of putting the word recreational from drinking, sort of makes it fun and cute. Yeah, as it opposed is fun. to just playing old drinking. Grown up drinking. Okay, well, a short break, and we'll be right back. I'm Susan Morris, and you're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? Coming to you live from KZSU at Stanford University, this is What Would Your Mother Say? Hi, I'm your host, Susan Morris, and I'm here in Studio A with Stanford students. Oh, I have a ton of them today. Laura, Boris, Lauren, Dan, and Bill, along with two moms, Barbara and Mary. In the next half hour, we'll be looking at emails from our listeners, and we'll, oh, I was going to say we have a book giveaway, but we've already given away our book. We are in, inviting callers to let us know your reactions to what we're saying, and if you have any opinions, give us a call at 650-723-9010. And I've been told by our engineer that I should mention our website again, whatwouldyourmothersay.com. Well, we are first, we are going to take a look right now at the upcoming holidays. We are a week from Thanksgiving. And I know personally how without too much trouble, a family gathering can turn into a reunion from hell. <laughs> we all know those lovely scenes of families sitting around a dining room table in front of a big turkey, laughing, talking, and eating. But how often does our own Thanksgiving reunion resemble that serene, happy-go-lucky-looking tabloid? I'd say the answer varies from sometimes. 
maybe a little, to absolutely never. I don't want to suggest that every family is dysfunctional. That's not true. But the fact is, being with our family, especially over a holiday, can be stressful, sometimes downright unpleasant. All right, why is it so hard? How, why have you found it hard at times to be with your family over the holidays? Who wants to be the first one to go here? Bill. Well, uh, why I, th- I think it's so hard for me and, and my family is because we, we like to invite over lots and lots of guests for Thanksgiving. So we'll have over like, you know, three or four other families who are like living with us. And I've got like little kids like sleeping on the couch in my room and stuff. And it, you just have like no alone time and you're just constantly being asked to do stuff. And it feels like you're kind of going insane. So <laughs> I guess that's my little take on it. Just too much stress, too much. Too much work. Uh, too much everything. Yeah. Anyone <laughs> else? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it's uh, a little less stressful about just the whole thing. My family's fairly small, so it's just the immediate family who gets together. But I think for me, it's more that I'm so used to being on my own, sort of setting my own schedule, that it's, it becomes harder when you're, you come home and your parents, I mean, I'm you know 22 now, but my mom's still like calling me, you know, making sure like, where are you, you know, whether you can be home, that kind of stuff. And now, they don't care when I come home, but just like there's, there becomes, you know, you, a little bit more of a, of a control on my uh, on my behavior, I guess. Mm-hmm. Dan. Yeah. yeah, I think Boris makes a good point. I think when we get together with our families, we so often sort of regress back to like previous states. Like I, I become my high school self when I'm with my parents and my siblings, uh, and so it, it can just be really hard. Um, for me, how does that differ? Uh, d- differ from sort of the way I'm, you are today. Who I mean, you've become. You know, I. I think I'm sort of more moody and sort of needlessly angsty when I'm like around my parents because that's kind of just the way I was in high school and it's true for my siblings who are you know out of grad school who are in relationships who are like legitimate adults and they they act like children when they're together um and so I think it can just be really hard when we have a bunch of 20 somethings acting like 12 year olds (laughs) (laughs) also part of it for me I don't know how many of you come from colder climates but whenever I go home to Colorado for the holidays it is like I just feel like cabin fever. I like also not not only to mention having to share the car with my little brother when we're all back here back at home, you know, just like the thought that I can't even like leave physically leave the house because there's snow and ice to worry about. It just it's hard to all be in one place all day long. Yeah. Laura? Uh, well, for me, the stressful part about the holidays isn't necessarily actually being there, but it comes maybe a few months before when my parents start arguing about who gets to have me on which holiday. Oh. And so then inevitably my dad has a you know chip on his shoulder about not seeing me enough. And so even though I'm spending Thanksgiving with him this year, he's going to be like, well, you know, what are you, what are you doing for Christmas? And... I mean, you know, you're you're not here enough, and it just becomes no, this huge no. stressful thing where it's like, you know, can't you just be appreciative of the fact that I'm spending the holidays with you? <laughs> How does that change in the future after we all get married and you have to do the in-law thing? Does the, is it a similar situation? Like, who gets who for the holidays? I was going to say, wait till you're married and your spouse also has two different households, so you have four You know what, the only way to settle that is my mom has a kind of genius system. Nobody celebrates the holiday as a family. We get together the following weekend or New Year's Day or something like that. But I've got to say, my sense of angst on the holidays has evolved into a completely new place. It's not even about people anymore. As I try to be kind of a vegetarian and a humanist type, that big, dead, headless animal in the middle of the table. (laughs) (laughs) How do you get around that? Where's your Thanksgiving chair? (laughs) here when you don't want to see a turkey on the table. 
Huh. Don't look at me. I love turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work preparing that meal. I can see getting rid of the bird. but you, you I like just, stuffing. That's my favorite part every year. It's uh, so cooking much together, though, can be very stressful, though. Oh, yeah. Because you have all these, t- you know, times, deadlines. There's, you know, too and many everyone, cooks in the cook- kitchen. Everyone has different, like, habits and eating preferences. Like, yeah. my sister versus my brother. Oh, well, does anybody have salt. a drama queen in the family or, um, you know, a relative who never shows up on time? Anything? Well, I don't have a relative that never shows up on time, but I have an aunt that shows up when you never expect it. And, <laughs> but it's Thanksgiving. Aren't you expect, expecting well, it? Well, but she'll show up like a couple days before Thanksgiving and be like, oh, hey, oh, no, it's snowing. It looks like I'll have to stay here for a couple days. And they'll be like, <laughs> oh, the oh, one in house, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so no one's had an unresolved family issue that keeps coming up? Well, I was going to say, I think I mean, even if you can manage the big meal and all staying in the same house, what's really scary about the holidays is like, what kind of a conversation are you going to get uh. into with your parents or? aunts or grandparents. I think that's what makes people worry before the holidays even begin. It's like, up front, I'm still single, and I still don't have a real job. Like, just putting that out <laughs> And, yes, I have gained five pounds. Uh, what, all right, what about having an obligation to your parents to go home for the holidays? When does that stop? I don't understand. I don't think it ever does. Does it yeah, ever does stop? It? No. When I was abroad, it was so nice because I just didn't have to worry. I was like, no, I'm not coming back from China to spend Thanksgiving with you. Well, actually, it can be the other way around. Yeah. You know, I actually, I went away for Christmas a few couple of years ago. I felt like, you know, the shackles had been broken, the chains had dropped. <laughs> I told my son, I'm going to be out of town on Christmas deal. You know, I mean, to figure out something else. You, to know, do. My par- you know, my parents went to Hawaii during uh, Thanksgiving one time when I wasn't spending it with them. <laughs> See, you're so mad about it, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> do you have a story about Thanksgiving? No, a I particular guess. story? I remember having a lot of fights on Christmas. It was got got so stressful that we all went to the movies. I mean, we began to go to the movies every Thanksgiving. It was sort of like, all right, we're going to have turkey. What are the movies that are in town? And it's a great way to get out of the house. <laughs> I think it's a fabulous idea. Yeah. There's yeah. only so much conversation that's healthy. Well, turkey yeah. vacation is overrated. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day is one of the biggest days in movies in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Just because people can't stand their families? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or go shopping. I guess not anymore. Well, that's true. Well, moms, oh, yeah. what what kind of pressure do you think moms exert on their children over the holidays? We've heard from the kids, the students. Now, I want to hear from you. What What are you, when you're in the middle of it, you say, uh-oh, I think I've just, you know, put some crunch on well, them. I, the, 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 he was talking about uh, how his parents wanted to know where he is. You know, from our point of view, we want to know when he's going to come back. Do we have three hours alone and before he gets to, he pops in again, you know? Oh, or what? Oh, you know? Or oh, so now you know why they asked. So oh, we no. want to know, what what are we thinking? You know, when, do I have to, my, you know, get dressed by 10 o'clock? Is he going to come popping in here or what? You know, Mary, yeah. wouldn't you say, though, that you want to be a mom again? And I think that's irritating to the kids. You want them to need you a little bit. You want them to be responsive. You want them to be loving. You want them to be appreciative. You want them to be all the stuff that they really aren't. And you and you don't notice that when they're not loving. I appreciate it. none of those kids. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Greg, you, you know, they well, take never, us for granted. Never enough. Never, never, never enough. enough. You, I mean, because they're not eight years old looking at you like, Mom. You know, they're looking at you like, Mom, I got to get out of here. Yeah. I'm supposed to meet my friend. You yeah. know, I'm supposed you to have some yeah. fun tonight. Aren't we done well, yet? When you ask my friends, so what was it like having your kids at home? They say, I was so happy when they came and I was happier when they left. <laughs> and you, you'll hear that over and over again. Yeah. So, I think you bring up a great point. Like, when I come home, one of the biggest things I have to do is sort of think about 
how much time I spend with my family, how much time I spend with my friends who are also back in Los Angeles. And that's like a juggling act all on its own. Like I was home just for a day yesterday in Los Angeles. My mom's like, so you're going to be home on this day and this day, right? Because those are the days I have off. And then, and these are the times that you should be home. Like, uh, okay. maybe, I don't know. Oh, like, yeah, yeah I like guess. mom, maybe I don't want to spend two full days with you. Yeah, maybe I want to go, you know, yeah. well, it's your social vacation drinking too. with my friends. I feel like I always need a vacation after my vacation with my family. Yeah, is that, I mean, true. is it, is it too sure. much to ask for a little downtime when you're finally like at home? I don't know. I feel like I can't even like sleep in or something because I'm wasting precious time that I should be spending with my mom and dad. And that makes me feel guilty and awful. It's yeah. stressful. You know, yeah. it's just like, I think they on some level don't understand how hard it is to be a student and be constantly going, going, going. I kind of want to come home and sleep. <laughs> so what's the conclusion that we, we have to this? Moms, I guess we, we should just say, do whatever you want, kids. Um, we're here. No, because no. then no, because they're not respecting us. Then they're going to come and go as they please, eat when they want, do what they want, and just just use us as a hotel. Forget it. What's wrong with that? That's, that's <laughs> <not my favorite. laughs> I want to kiss me on my great. pillow. No, I'm not the maid and the cook around here. <laughs> Deal with Mary, it. Good for you, Barbara. <laughs> you were, uh, yes, Mary, on that. Put on a little show. Again. A little show. <laughs> a little bit. You know, well, backlash for my sleeping comment. If you don't want to yeah. see me, then stay in a hotel. Get out of here. You know. Okay, and and kids, what do you what do you want to tell your moms and dads? Bug off. Give us, give us some breathing room. Yeah, yeah. give us some I mean, time. This, this might be sort of strange, but I also feel like when I, my, I'm home, I want to be treated more like an adult and let – I want to I cook meals for them, you know. Oh, um, please. And not feel yeah, – I mean, it. it's really nice to be pampered and treated, you know, treated well when you're home. But it does feel kind of patronizing sometimes. <laughs> and it can and – and if you pamper too much, then you get sort of the teenager again. You uh, get, acknowledge like, the oh, adult. Yeah, yeah like, oh, I'm just going to go off with my friend's dad. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. so, so let me be an adult and let me cook meals and do my own laundry. Sometimes. Oh, that sounds good. Dan, come That's home not to universal, my house. though. I, I want Dan to, um, to be my son this Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Well, coming up, we have emails from our listeners, and we'll take calls from you at 650-723-9010. This week, we have some about breast implants and, of course, relationships. I'm Susan Morris. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? We'll be right back. Welcome back to Studio A at KZSU Stanford. You're listening to What Would Your Mother Say? I'm your host, Susan Morris. And here with me are two moms, Barbara and Mary, and several Stanford students today, Laura, Boris, Lauren, Dan, first time for Dan, and Bill. If you're just tuning in, this is when the panel turns into Ann Landers, and we offer advice or just comments to our listeners. Our topics today, mental well-being and, of course, relationships. We, I want to give out a listener discretionary advisory. We will be discussing sexual matters, which some listeners may find offensive. All right, here is the first email. It is from Josh. When is laziness a positive asset? For example, wouldn't my quality of life improve if I could relax, totally worry-free for, say, one day a week instead of self-flagellating 24-7 with the thought, must work harder. I wish I had a switch for turning on and off laziness at will. How do you find the right balance between having fun and relaxing and being productive? 
Boy, that's a heavy, heavy question. I think it's one that everyone struggles with, especially at Stanford. It's just like, how do I, you know, maintain my mental health in, in, you know, I have all these things to do, and there's also still me behind all of this. So um, we've actually uh, been, ha- I've been having a lot of these conversations lately, and I, I think I haven't figured out a right answer yet. But I think it's different for every person. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I also think uh, to call that laziness is a bit wrong. You know, I mean, taking time—he's taking one day out of the week to relax for himself. I mean, <laughs> That—that's not laziness. That's barely surviving. You need to. <laughs> you take I know a, some a day people though who just would say, you know, one day a week—that's way too much. You know, oh, maybe two different. hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. maybe maybe yeah. they think they can't survive. I mean, if they take more than um, two days off or more than a day off that they won't be able to keep up because they, it takes them longer to process what all the stuff they have to learn. I, I don't know. What did you guys do? Were we under this same kind of pressure as these students? I think in our own way we were. I was going to say, of course, we were geniuses at, at first-class institutions. I, this is kind of welcome to real life. I mean, there's a pile of pressure and a pile of things to do, and it's never-ending. Yeah. And um, I mean, I thought... Although I did think starting my career was a little bit of a relief because even if you had a 12-hour day, when you went home, it was the end. You weren't supposed to think about the next day's work until you got to the next day. And yes. it, so yeah. working was a little bit easier than but college. But even, even now, you know, and I have a weekend when I don't have a whole lot I have to do. I, if I spend a whole Saturday just doing what I please, I feel guilty. I feel like I should have done something like clean the kitchen floor or raked leaves or done something unpleasant sometime during the day <laughs> to justify my existence. You know, I don't know. I can't get around that. I feel that same way. So it sounds like we don't really have an answer for Josh, except yeah. just stick stick to it. It will work out. Well, here's an email from Tanya. I'm wondering if, and it's very complicated, so you have to listen carefully. I'm wondering if I should contact a guy who broke up with me. We had tons of fun together while we were out, but he had trouble expressing his feelings, and I didn't really express mine either. He broke up with me, saying we were at different places in our lives, and he wanted to spend more time together with me. I was so dumbfounded and sad that I didn't know what to say. I wish I had expressed myself more and told him how I felt. Then he might have known that I really liked him and wanted to see more of him. Should I contact him to let him know how I felt or just move on? I wonder what the time frame yeah, here is. It's, it's yeah. a, it depends, it seems, on how long it's been. If it's been like uh, an hour, if it's been like a day, or if it's been like a week, if it's been a month. It's been a year, maybe a little too long. I don't know. Uh, Do you think it's advisable, though? I mean, maybe he's moved on. What are the chances? Let's Am I yeah. understanding the risky. letter correctly that he broke up because he wanted to see her more? And he and got, now she's ready to do that? Well, it is a little confusing. I'm in, I've gotten the impression that, that he felt that she wasn't interested in seeing him as much as he wanted to see her, but they weren't able to. They just weren't communicating. Yeah. It sounded uh, like they're young. I don't know. Maybe even old people have trouble <laughs> communicating. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've gone through stuff like this before, and um, I, I think honestly, um, she probably needs to move on. You know, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of pain when, when, with breakups and everything, and you know, he has to w- maybe not, but at least she had to w- work on getting him out of her heart and everything. So well, conversely, though, I want to say well, maybe if there's a husband, a lot of time. My question to Tanya would be, what makes you think that you're going to be better at communicating now, and what's going to make him better at communicating now? There because maybe if you have had enough time to kind of grow up a little bit, then maybe things will be better this time around. 
I don't know. I was actually just talking to a friend uh, a few minutes ago about how I've, you know, I love hearing stories about how people get married. And a lot of people have been like, well, yeah, you know, we weren't great, you know, and so we broke up. But then we met up five years later and all those issues that can, were between us before kind of went away. So maybe if, if Tanya has a convincing answer as to why she's different and ready now, give it a shot. And sometimes it helps just to uh, even just write the letter and not plan on signing it. Uh, that's something I do. Uh, I have like a lot of bitter resentments that I'll write down. <laughs> that just how, how, how thick is that stack? Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I got a box. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, it, it helps to sort of articulate what exactly she wants, and I don't know. I I think. You know, it's useful to eventually send those letters, especially if they're not hate mail. And it should help in, in future relationships, yeah. too. Because uh, my, my theory is that you should always learn something, no matter how bad the experience was. What, what did you learn? So it w- might happen again, but never quite the... And quite the, qu- the question is, what does she have to lose? And if she yeah. contacted him and he said, thank you, I, I'd really rather not renew this, then okay. I mean, you know, it's not like he's going to go egg your house or. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> Hopefully not. Well, now here's here's one. I had sex with this guy I know. Now he's ignoring me and going around telling everyone that we had sex. I feel incredibly cheap. What can I do? <laughs> you feel incredibly cheap. I'm just kidding. Wait, did she really like? I mean, it depends on the nature of their liaison. Did she expect for any reason that he would not be ignoring her? Well, well maybe she expect it, he wouldn't be talking about yeah, it. I, oh, I see. Yeah. I guess it depends on what yeah. he's saying when he's telling people they had sex. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, managed to nail that. You know, it's like. <laughs> Well, you know, kind of had a small one, you know. <laughs> you know, if you're not going to be able to deny the fact that you guys had sex, then you might as well. If it's bothering you, I don't know. You back. Revenge. Yeah, the girls back. are being vicious. I, like I don't. I, you can't do I, anything about that. It seems like. Like, what do you get? Take the high road, I guess. I mean, yeah, you just have to kind of. I think it looks. It, 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 yeah, it reflects badly on him that he's like going around. Like, yeah, but it sucks for her, you know. Cause, it, no, it does. Does it reflect badly in a group of males if um someone's sitting there saying, "Yeah." I nailed it with her. I mean, does it do no, you, you get a does, high five? This is the classic <laughs> this is the classic double standard. Yeah. This is like yeah. she feels bad about herself, but he is congra- congratulated or like people are lauding him for this achievement. It's yeah. just like it's you there's yeah, it's- it's disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's truly disgusting. Well, we are going to be ending a little bit uh, short or early tonight, so I want to have one more email before we end. I'm thinking of having my breasts enlarged. What do the guys on the panel think about that? And then the girls. Uh, I would say don't do it. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, artificial enhancement. <laughs> There's no baseline that you're like, well, actually. I, I mean... Maybe if, if I don't know I don't know how much we want to get this. Maybe if, if she's like, we've we've had listener um, a discretion advised. Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, if, if she was like entirely flat and, and like she she was feeling really bad about herself, then maybe. But I mean, honestly, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of breast implants myself. But uh, Boris. Uh, I think it's kind of an issue of of, of self image. I don't care one way or the other personally. So like. If she, if it like makes her feel better, sweet. If it like, if she feels like more confident, more comfortable, if she got the implants, please go ahead. Do they feel the differently? I've yes, heard they do. But, like, they do. And so so Sorry. confident <laughs> in this answer. Um, but from experience. I don't. I mean, you know, bigger is better sometimes, but I don't really care. I just just don't do it. I I I mean, I understand. I, I mean, I don't know what it's like to want that or feel like you need that, but I just feel like. 
You gotta something else is up if 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 you think you need rest rest implants. Um, you need to work on something else other than your body if that's something like serious that you're thinking about. Okay, good. Well, we're as I said, we're going going out a little early tonight. I want to thank our listeners for your emails. We love hearing from you. And if you have a comment, question, or concern, send us an email at mothers at kzsu.stanford.edu. Also, let us know if you'd like to be on the show. Go to our website, whatwouldyourmothersay.com, and click on information. It's time to say goodbye. It was good to have Laura, Bill, Boris, Lauren, and Dan on the show, and our moms, Mary and Barbara. Thank you all. For the record, the opinions you hear on What Would Your Mother Say don't represent those of KZSU or Stanford University. Thanks today to Susan Esterly, Olivia Peretta, and our music coordinator, Bird of Paradise. KZSU's chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and our show engineer is Jack Wong. A special thanks to our underwriter, Wendy Schmidt. That's it for tonight. You've been listening to What Would Your Mother Say? Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Same time, same station. I'm Susan Morris. And remember, call your mom.